So that's really what I've been praying for you, praying for our church that this year, what's going to be distinguished over us or what is going to mark us is the wisdom of God. And it's not just for us as a church, I'm talking about us as a community, your roles, your jobs, your families, your marriages, your homes, your children, every aspect of life, the wisdom of God is going to prevail. Because the wisdom of God leads you to all truth, not some truth, but his truth. And I really believe in a world that's gone crazy, uh, in a world that is struggling from the effects uh, of the absence of God, in other words, the, the lack of desire for God, there's always consequences to any actions or beliefs that we have. And uh, we just cannot solve every problem on earth with governments and money. So I'm speaking wisdom, godly wisdom over our lives. And I believe it comes from a life dedicated to God, like Jesus. He was dedicated to God. And I believe wisdom and favor is the fruit of being dedicated to God, surrendered to God. So for those who still haven't moved from your seat because you think it doesn't apply, I am absolutely encouraging you, do something you've never done before. Don't have a head fight, just go with the flow in this sense. Not because you're not thinking, it's because you know you're better with God than without Him, amen? You know God's good, but why do we resist Him? And right now the Holy Spirit is wanting to lead us to the wisdom Amen. That is already in Christ. So today, the message is going to be carrying on from last week. And I want to start with an Old Testament verse, and then I want to take you straight into a New Testament letter. Is that okay? Yeah. You ready for it? Yeah. There's, uh, King David has uh, children. One of his sons is Solomon. Solomon is considered the wisest man that's ever lived. And maybe he wrote that about himself. I'm not sure, but <laughs> he was definitely wise. Um, and I, I, oh man, there's so much I could tell you about what, we, um, the, what he actually did in terms of animals and uh, agriculture and in terms of, oh my goodness, um, it, 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 it's worth studying. All right, so the point is, he is now going to be ruling, he's the one leading, and God comes to him in a dream, and God says to him, what do you want? How cool is that? And he replies... And we're going to read it, 1 Kings chapter 3, if you can put it on the screen. It says this, The Lord was pleased that Solomon asked for wisdom. So God said to him, You did not ask for long life or wealth for yourself. You did not ask for the death of your enemies. You asked for wisdom to listen and to make right decisions. So I will give you what you ask for. I will make you wise and intelligent. I will make you wiser than anyone who has ever lived or ever will live. And I will give you what you did not ask for. You will have wealth and honor all your life. There will be no other king in the world that can compare to you. And yet we read this, and if you read the full story of Solomon, he is the wisest man, but then what happens is, he loses his way. Why? Because in this culture, at this time, he marries many wives. And he doesn't have just wives. He has what in usual world called concubines. Ask Siri, Google it later. <laughs> and he has, in other words, relationships with many women from many different cultures. And he becomes open to all of their beliefs, 
All of these relationships, now again, it's an Old Testament, I'm risking talking like this in this kind of crowd, but I want you to understand that God is still intending for him to be a wise person. He has a heart towards God at the beginning to say, God, I want to be wise to lead your people. And God says, well done, I will, and I will give you other things with that wisdom. But on the journey, he listens to all the other things of all the other people and his heart goes away from God. Instead of being wise, he becomes unwise. And I'm just saying this because this is an Old Testament narrative, but you need to remember all of us may have a good intention at the start and yet the temptation is can we continue to go after wisdom every step of the way? Not some of the way. You can start well, but can you finish well? You know, we're starting a new year in the house of God, but what's the guarantee that you're going to be in the house of God all year, at the end of the year? You know, serving God five minutes or serving God for 50 years, it comes down to wisdom. Wisdom will build your life. And I really pray that, you know, you'll understand. So Solomon, he had a good desire and God says, well done. You didn't ask for this, this and this. I'm going to give you that anyway, but wisdom's going to make this possible. Wisdom's going to attract favor and increase and blessing. But when all the increase and blessing came, he lost his way. And I pray that for all of us, that whatever we're believing God for, it's not going to distract us. Oh Lord, I need that job. Great, great job comes now. Got no time for the house of God. Oh God, I really need, I don't want to be on my own. Wow, I met an amazing person. Now it's like, oh, we got no time for God. It's like, God doesn't bring things to distract you. He brings things to make you, build you, strengthen you, not to lose you. Why would God find you and then spend the rest of his life looking for you? You know, sometimes we're like, where's God? And God's like, where, where am I? <laughs> where are you? God's like, I didn't move. So wisdom's going to keep you where you need to be. Wisdom's going to keep you at the center of God's purposes, amen. Don't live your life with God first, family second, job third. Like one, two, three-isms don't build life. That's not wise. We pick it up on the journey of convenience or it's maybe human wisdom, but it's not godly wisdom. If you want godly wisdom, put Christ at the center of your life. Put Christ at the center of your marriage. Put Christ at the center of your job. In other words, I'm doing this job because of Christ. Christ. I'm in this marriage because of Christ. I go to this church because of Christ. Wow, you're quick learners. Put him at the center of everything. Not one, two, three. God, family, whatever. It sounds great, but it doesn't last when it's under pressure. So now I'm going to switch to a New Testament letter. And this letter is interesting. Maybe I asked someone earlier and they said they've never read this letter. I'm like, oh my goodness, you need to get this letter. This letter is one of the, maybe I would say it's the overlooked letter. It's the forgotten letter. I mean, when, when you have to compete with the Apostle Paul, 13 letters or whatever it is, uh, he's accredited with, but he's definitely a, he's a big influence on the New Testament church. He got out there pretty quick and he's missionary, he's He's like, he's just going for it. He's not even an eyewitness to Jesus. <laughs> and, and he's, boom, he's going for it. So yeah, you can live under the shadow of Almighty Paul. Well, this letter is a little bit like that. But this letter is the letter of James, the half-brother of Jesus. James is a little bit of a late starter because he hangs around Jesus like, we're brothers. It's like, and you did that? I'm going to go tell mom. 
Um, not really, I'm just making it up. But the point I'm making is, is he would have been around possibly the Sermon of Mount, hearing Jesus speak profound truths. Why? Because if you look at the letter of John, it parallels the Sermon of Mount, the Mount Sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, very, very closely. So it's very likely that he was borrowing from these experiences. But it didn't make him a believer. It didn't make him an apostle. It came later. After the resurrection, Jesus spends time with the church, with the followers, and James gets on board later on. I think that's good news for some of us because sometimes we're not in, but later on, we're in, in Jesus' name. Amen? But what I am saying to you is, is this letter is the letter I want to start the church with this year. I want to start us on this page if we can. It's not so much a theological letter. It's more of a moralistic type letter. If you can summarize this letter, how would you summarize it? I'm going to give you my version. Is that okay? If you were to summarize this letter, how would you summarize it? I feel like he's saying this. If you believe it, live it. If you believe this, then live it. Often James gets a bad deal because uh, he references salvation, but he doesn't talk about salvation the way we experience it. He's talking about being saved, but he's not using it in the way of redemption like we are saved by the grace of God alone. And so often one of the uh, chapters, chapter 2, where it says it's not just faith, it's works, he's often criticized with this idea that you can get saved by your works. And he's not actually dealing with that at all. He's just basically saying uh, that if you believe this stuff, then live it. If you believe you're forgiven, then live like you're forgiven. He's basically, and you have to follow the letter to realize that. He deals with a lot of things, but one of the areas that you get from James is the wisdom of God. He's all over this with wisdom. And so I want you to understand that the people that were receiving this letter were the early church. In other words, they were the first people to follow Jesus. So the audience is very strong Jewish. They're now following Christ. A lot of them didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. So it's a smaller audience. Uh, it's very true that possible uh, that this letter was circulated. That's often what they did. Uh, we do know that this started in a synagogue. So the early believers were in synagogues. Paul often went to a synagogue. So the Jewish connection was very much there in the early start. God didn't get limited by it. It's just that people were working in the natural way as well as the spiritual way. But what you need to understand is his audience needed to know how to conduct themselves. So he's not really dealing with theology in the sense of that Paul does in other letters. He's actually just saying, listen, this is how you live. This is how you function. This is how the wisdom of God looks in your life. And this is how you get on with each other. Wisdom builds bridges, not barriers. Wisdom is pure. It's considerate. It's not conceited and self-seeking. Wisdom is a peacemaker. He's just saying, hey, we're not here to be causing trouble. We're all here. We cause trouble to the enemy, but we cause peace with each other. Yeah. Oh, man, this letter is worth reading. If you've never read it, get a hold of it. So he's really speaking to, obviously, uh, a Jewish audience. Um, a lot of the Gentiles are yet to come to faith as Paul gets on with the mission. It's possible that it's the first letter we have in the New Testament. In other words, it comes not long after Jesus has, uh, you know, died and, and rose again. So it, it's very possible. There's a connection to suffering. Hey, how many of you have read this one? Count it all joy when you go through trials and tribulations. Oh, my favorite. 
I find joy really hard when I'm going through crazy times and someone reads that to you. Can it all joy, Pastor Mark? But it's James who gives that. Why did the audience need to hear that? Because persecution was starting. Stephen has been stoned to death. Saul, Paul, both names apply. He's standing there with the garments of the Pharisees. He's commissioned to go cause trouble to stop this nonsense going on. And we find out um, that the, the church is being pushed, pushed out, not through good desire and pastors saying, let's go to Prague and Warsaw. No, persecution broke out. And they found themselves scattered. But wherever they got, wherever they went, they, broke the, they spoke the word. They passed on the message. They went north to Antioch. Uh, they went into Ephesus, into Turkey, modern-day Turkey. They went south, Alexandria, Egypt. They went west, east. They're everywhere. And so this letter is an early letter. But I want to say to you, it's an important letter. Because he gives us a language on how to walk in wisdom, even when it's crazy, tough, and challenges. He helps us to understand that the problems and the challenges work for us, not against us. And there's so much more I could tell you about this letter. But I'm just stirring your hearts to think about it and to consider it. Because I really do believe God wants to mark our lives with godly wisdom. Every one of us would say, yeah, I want to be wise. I don't want to be unwise. But it's not just about wanting it. It's about living it. It's about going after it. So how does God bring wisdom into our lives? Jules, come up here. How does wisdom get into Jules's life? She's the wisest amongst us. So stand here, Jules, and everybody loves Jules. And Jules is a wise woman, wise beyond your years. 16 years old and super wise. I'm only joking. All right, so how does God bring wisdom? Obviously, most of us would know the Word of God. God brings the Word of God. So Laura, you can be the Word of God, full of Word, full of the wisdom of the Word. So come up here, and the Word of God brings wisdom into our lives. You know, you can read the Bible uh, the wrong way, or you can read the Bible the right way. I would suggest to you, read it through the lens of Jesus. Because, to be honest, it won't make sense, really, because we're too culturally removed from the... The, the Bible has got three, let me give this quickly, okay? It's either, it, it's, the Bible is made up of three generalizing now, okay? Literal, symbolic, figurative, okay? It's not all literal. It's not all symbolic. And it's not all lit, it's figurative. So it's a combination of these three things. The challenge we have <laughs> is how do we know which is literal and which is figurative? And that's the journey of faith being planted in the house of God. Amen. Wisdom comes from the Word of God. But if you use it the wrong way, it won't give you what you need. So wisdom, wisdom, wisdom through the Word of God. If you want to be a wise person, you're not going to be wise. Godly wisdom is not going to come if you're ignoring the Bible. The key, though, is how do we help each other read the Bible correctly? And we're going to try and do a little bit more to support that this year. But it's not on me. It's on us. Amen. Um, and so I really hope you understand that. So wisdom comes from the Word of God. How else does the wisdom of God come? It comes in through community. You were this last time, so you're just a community friend. Community of friends comes into our life, and you want wisdom? Maybe wisdom's going to come from the friends you keep. Have you got wise friends? I hope you have. How do you know you've got wise friends? Let's do the check what James gives us. 
Wisdom is peaceful. Wisdom is considerate. Wisdom goes to God, not away from God. So have you got friends taking you away from God? Mocking you because you're, you know, it's really interesting because we all have friends and we all know that we are made or we are broken or made by the friends we keep, but we think it doesn't apply to us, someone else. But how's your friends? Wisdom in Jules' life is going to come from a community of wisdom and friends who are wise. We're parents of now kids who are adults and we're, Lord, Lord, let them be surrounded by wise friends. Amen? It's a prayer of every parent's heart. But let me tell you, it's not just the Word of God. It's also wise community, wise friends. Have you got someone in your life that can say, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? Have you thought about that? Where's the wisdom? You can't delete all your friends who say that. Maybe you should listen. Maybe you should consider what they're saying. And it's amazing how if we want something, we can ignore truth because we're desperate to meet a need in the wrong way. So what we've got to learn is, is that God can bring wisdom through community and through friends. Now, I'm not saying we should have friends who control us. That's not wisdom. Manipulative behavior is not wisdom. And, Paul, and, and again, see, Paul, James talks about that in Jesus' name. All right, another way God brings wisdom into your life is parents. Come up, Mummy Joyce, you're the best one. A mum to Isaac and Leela and a mum to many. Come up here. Are you okay? How was kids' church today? Awesome. So how does God bring wisdom into our lives? Through parents or extended family, uncles and aunties, big cousins. Sometimes God uses the nucleus of family. Now, we don't all have godly parents. Sometimes we've got parents, but they don't believe what we believe. I was growing up in a family that didn't believe. And what I am saying to you is, but God does use godly parents to bring wisdom into our lives. And sometimes as children, we find it very hard to receive from our parents because when we were younger, we were grateful for them. But when we get older, we want to depart and we want to listen to our friends or we want to go in our own direction. Either way, all of it is valid, all of it's real, but wisdom says you don't need to hurt to heal. And yet sometimes we do hurt and we can be healed, but it's not always the best way is the way of brokenness. You don't need to always have a broken life to get a better life. And yet the message is always if you are broken, you can be restored. And I really pray that we'll get this worked out because parenting is either controlling or it is empowering. Sadly, most of us learn it through controlling. And we've got to realize parenting through the model of God, through the grace of God. How do you parent your children by the grace of God? And thank God we don't live in a society where you beat your kids. And then you hear Bible verses on YouTube, beat your kids, spare the rod, spare the child. No, no one is advocating violence to our children. And you should be concerned because wisdom doesn't beat kids. But wisdom doesn't allow kids to rule and do whatever they want so they destroy their lives. Listen to me. If you got every prayer answered, every time you prayed, answered. Every time you prayed, answered. Every time you prayed, answered. Would that answer to prayer make you a more humble person or would it make you a very <laughs> interesting person? Well, think about a child. If a child gets everything they want, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. You won't create a honey, you will create a monster. 
There is a wisdom in God that says, no, you're not going to get everything you want when you want it. Yes, you can come to me. Amen? And I love that as parents, we can follow an example of our Heavenly Father. If every parent knows how to give good gifts to their children, how much more would our Heavenly Father give you good gifts? Why would He give you a stone when you ask for bread? So the wisdom of God can come into our lives through our parents. I'm not saying it's perfect. What I am saying is, but would we consider it? Amen. Another way that, you're going to love this one. There's a lot of wisdom around Jules today, isn't there? Everyone okay? Yeah. Do you want me to keep going? Yeah. Another way God brings wisdom into your life is <coughs> pastor. <laughs> pastor. God can use pastors and a local church to bring wisdom into your life. You know, we've been living in Berlin 14 years and often people ask us, what do you do for a living? You know, what do you do for a job? And I'm like, you don't want to know. <laughs> Joyce tells me off. She's like, why do you do that? I'm like, Joyce, do you don't understand? If I say I'm a pastor, I get two responses. One is, hmm. Zero conversation. Or the second response is, complete blankness, don't know what that is, and walk away. So I'm going to ruin my night by saying what I do. And I've had more fun by saying, you don't want to know what I do. But then it's got me into a bit of trouble because sometimes they think that I'm a drug dealer. And I have to pedal back quickly. And then sometimes in one situation it got me into trouble because the person thought I was... Uh, yeah yeah you can ask me later and so I've got to find a better way so today we've come up or I've come up with a way where we work with people and we're in the humanitarian direction and I have great fun working in that area I I just tell everybody ich bin ein Pastorin (laughs) yeah but But you've got the smile, I've got the beard. You've got the beauty, I've got the... So, wisdom says, speak in German when you're speaking to Germans. (laughs) All right, let's move on. But listen, am I your pastor? Can I speak into your life? (laughs) I'm shocked. I'm shocked. I wasn't expecting that response. But let me tell you, I'm not ever, Joyce and I would never ever tell you how to live. That's not what we're here for. And I know that there is tragedy and crazy examples around the world. I believe over abuse, manipulation, unpleasant things at every level. And God never intended his shepherds to be heavy handed to the sheep. But I cannot pass the sheep that are not mine. I don't want to. I want the sheep that God's given us for the mission that God's called us to. And today in our 21st century where everything seems to be subjective and I can do whatever I want and I'm accountable to nobody. I don't recognize anybody's authority. At the end of the day, it makes it really hard to lead a church into the future. And I'm asking is, if I'm your pastor, then, then can we pastor you? Can we lead you to green grass? Can we lead you to better days? And I'm not going to ram the word down you. I'm just going to present it to you, give you opportunity to respond to it. I'm not going to follow you up with a test and go, how was, you know... Uh, what's the seven things that you... I, it's not about that. Life will test you. But at the end of the day, God does bring pastors into your life to help you become more like Christ. But let me tell you, it's the work of the Spirit that will create Christ-like formation in you. Not even the pastors can do that. Amen? 
We can lead you to better days, but it's the work of the Spirit. And so if we work together, it's amazing how you say, you know what? But ask yourself the question. Maybe for some of you, it's like, I don't even know. I've never had that question asked me. Others, well, you've got a pastor from another part of the world because you've come from another part of the world. And you're like, well, I have a pastor. I don't need you as a pastor, but that's not going to help you while you're here. And it's not going to help us. And I'm not saying you have to disown pastors from wherever you come from. No, no. It's just the wisdom of God says, understand where you are, who you are, and where you're going. This is where you are right now. Wisdom says, let me move in your life. Amen. And I just pray that you understand that. But God does bring wisdom into your lives through the pastors and the shepherds that he puts into your life. It's up to you to acknowledge that, not for us to demand it. And then the last one is just life. One more person. I'm the pastor, so I'll play that one. Uh, Come on, Amelia. You can be life. Taking a lot of time on this one, but it's a visual, so hopefully you remember it. Wisdom says... Life actually can help you to be smarter. And sometimes life does go wrong. It's just what do you do next? I made this decision, but did you learn from it? The tragedy is is that we sometimes just don't learn from the mistakes we make. It's not wrong to make mistakes. It's just what are you going to do now you know that? I did this. Oh, my goodness. I would say my own life, I've learned more from mistakes than I have from successes. I, I don't know why it's like that. It's just that I, I, I passed my driving test the second time. I believe I passed the first time. <laughs> but I think they only pass so many people per month. And I was at the end of the quota. I feel like there's a problem here. My wife passed first time. But listen... But because I was second time, I worked even harder, even smarter. So technically, I'm the better driver. (laughs) But what I am trying to say to you is, at the end of the day, you can learn from mistakes. We should learn from mistakes. We should not be fearful about making mistakes. And often culturally, we are. You know, if you make a mistake, you're not a failure. And yet, we, we fail sometimes to get it right. And yet, we can't turn failure into an identity. You might have failed, but you're not a failure. You're a precious child of God, and you have a future, and you can learn from it. And that's the mentality that a local church can give God's people. I have a different mentality. The gospel tells me who I am. The gospel reminds me who I am. Wisdom will help me have a different mentality. And it may not be European. It may not be something geographical or cultural. It may be just, I'm connected to the king of God, heaven. You know what I mean? I have a kingdom mindset. And so this is what God does. So come and stand around Jewel. Stand in the middle and let's surround her. Amen. And all I'm trying to say to you is, every one of us is surrounded by wisdom more than we realize. And once we recognize it and we value it, because you can receive from that which you value, you know, if you, if you don't respect wisdom, you're not going to attract wisdom. He who associates with wise people will become wise. He who associates with fools will become foolish. So association. And I pray that you will let your heart be filled with the wisdom of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Because I can do more with that than 10,000 hours of counseling in Jesus' name. Wisdom in Jesus' name. Amen. So you are the wisest amongst us, Jules. Give her a big hand.
I really hope you understand that wisdom is going to be a game changer. And I know all of us would say, yes, I want to be wise. But James says, if you believe it, then live it. If you have faith, then do good. If you have been saved by the the saving grace of God, now live from that place that is abundant. And I really believe that you and I should be the wisest people on earth. Why? Because we have access to wisdom because we've been placed in Christ. Years ago, when I first started building the church here in Berlin, I used to pray every day, God, give me wisdom, give me wisdom. Why? Because every conversation I have was difficult, complex, challenging. And it wasn't just language issues. It was just to do with culture and mentalities and history. And so every conversation, I was literally starting my day. My wife can tell you, Joyce will tell you. I was like, God, give me wisdom, give me wisdom, give me wisdom. I know what church in Sydney can look like, but we're in Berlin. I know what church in London can look like, but we're in Berlin. And I had to go on to this. And I felt God say to me one day, he said, Mark, why are you asking me for wisdom? And I said, because I need it. It's just become so difficult. People, it's not like people are raring to go. It's like, it's like walking through concrete or cement. It's just difficult. Everything is just hard work. It's like hitting a concrete wall with your head. It, it was, and I'm trying to give you some kind of perspective. But what I'm trying to say to you is, is that I felt like I needed wisdom. And so God just say, listen, where have I placed you? And in my head, I'm like, like Berlin, like God, are we talking about geography right now? Hello? <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 I haven't placed you in Berlin. I've placed you in Christ. And this was my own internal struggle where I was like, okay, God, so you've put me in Christ. And he says, and what is in Christ? All wisdom. And so I had to shift from I need it to I've got it. And I wonder how many of us are in the room today, we're still acting like I need it. And the truth is, you've already got it. I need a visa. You've got it. I need an identity. You've got it. I need freedom. You've got it. I need healing. You've got it. I need forgiveness. You've got it. I need something to change. You've got it. And I think too many of us live in this beg, beg God or where are you God? And God's like, I don't know why you're over there because I'm over here. If you just come with me and stop resisting me, you just might find yourself in the land of abundance and the land of overflow and not in the land of lack and limitation and impossibles. I am the God of the possible. I'm the God of the miraculous. I'm the God who can do anything. He said, you've got wisdom because you're now in Christ. And so I remember just saying, yes, amen, I've got it. And I started telling myself, not thank you. I thank, I thank God for wisdom and not thanking God, you know, asking God for wisdom, I started just thanking Him for wisdom. And every conversation from that moment on, I was shocked. I'd get into a conversation where it was complicated, it was difficult, and in the moment, wisdom came out of my, I'm like, oh my goodness. Now, obviously, I'm giving you drama now, but it wasn't so obvious in the cafe. But in me, I knew exactly what happened because I wasn't even thinking about it. And in that moment, I had the wisdom for that moment. 
And I'm telling you, for you in projects, in boardrooms, executive meetings, anything you're leading with teams and people and complexity, I'm telling you, the wisdom of God will make you stand out in every area, in every moment, because He will supply His wisdom in any moment. You don't need to be read up, theology up, booked up, everything up. You just got to realise who your supply is. Keep the tap turned on all the time, amen. You have access to wisdom 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You don't need to be lacking wisdom. And this is what he says. James chapter one, do any of you need wisdom? Then ask God for it. He is generous and enjoys giving to everyone who asks. So God will give you wisdom. But when you ask, you must believe. Don't doubt him. Whoever believes or doubts is like a wave in the sea that is blown up and down by the wind. Another translation says a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. And I pray this year that your life and your ways and your progress will not be double-minded. You will be absolutely secure in the knowledge that God has got you where He needs you to be. Amen. And you will be defined by the wisdom of God. Your life will be absolutely a reflection of the wisdom of God. And I believe you'll see it as you practice it. But you've got to acknowledge that you've got it. I'm not just getting the wisdom of God. I actually have the wisdom of God. And like a seed, it needs watering. Water it, water it, water it. And guess who will water the, the, guess who will water the wisdom over your life like never? The Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? So start your day. Thank you for the You don't need a long prayer meeting. You just need to start with Him. Yeah. Thank you for the wisdom. Thank you for the wisdom. And I'll tell you, you watch how He will supply no matter where you are, no matter what's going on. What's in there has got to come out. So the challenge for some of you is you've got to get something in. For others, it's in. You've got to just shift from asking to I've got it and you watch how it will flow. I'll tell you, it'll define your life this year. It will make a clear distinction on who you are and who you belong to. And you'll be known for your wisdom, not because you're old, it's because you're wise. Amen? Wise in your decisions. And don't be scared to ask, where's the wisdom in this? Where's the wisdom in this? You can say it privately to yourself. But I'll tell you, wisdom will build your life. Wisdom will save your life. Wisdom will separate you and wisdom will define you. And wisdom will let you represent your heavenly Father on earth. You want to solve problems? Let the wisdom of God prevail in Jesus' name. Amen. You want to stop wars? Let the wisdom of God prevail in Jesus' name. You want to write books? Let the wisdom of God come into your life and through your life. You want to heal the sick? Let the wisdom of God in Jesus' name come to you and through you. All of this, James dear with and he says let me tell you wisdom helps you to get on with people so when do you know you've got godly wisdom are you a peacemaker are you a bridge builder or are you a troublemaker amen I believe that if we're going to cause trouble it's only to the enemy of our souls everywhere else make peace Get on as best you can, show respect, live with respect, but get James' definition of what godly wisdom looks like. And he says, it is surrendered, it is pure, and it is peace-loving in Jesus' name.